Before we get started on today's Morecast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, and just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Um, as you all know, uh, I love Blanchard. It's one of my favorite places to go in Colorado, uh, just to experience the what it's like to have uh, all, all that you can have with a family-owned vineyard uh, in uh in California, they have a, a vineyard in Sonoma County, in California, and uh, it's it's what. And to be honest with you, uh, more than even the wine, the atmosphere of the place, the the, the friendly staff, uh, and just the, the overall vibe of the place is pretty amazing. It's one of my favorite places to just kind of sit and chill, and uh, there's no better way to do that than at Blanchard. Um, they have a vast array of uh, selection of wine and wine cocktails, which I have not yet, have yet to try, but I've been told are very good. Um, they have them there at Blanchard. Uh, You've got a couple days till Christmas. Uh, I would get in before Christmas time. If not, wait till after and, and then just come on in. And if you got a gift certificate from someone, head on into Blanchard and they will take care of you. Uh, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they are located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Uh, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast for the CSG Network. I hope you forgive me there. Uh, <laughs> I've been fumbling over my words all day today. I have no idea why. Um, but then we're coming to you uh, with a six-game winning streak version of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they just absolutely throttled the lebron uh Los Angeles Lakers, 128-104. to um, And I'm going to talk about two things. And they're going to be two extremely basic things uh, when we're talking about this team. And um, I hate to pat myself on the back. But it is true, and I really do think that the get-right, it wasn't the Knicks game, which, you know, then they lost three consecutive games on that road trip a while back. Uh, it, that was, people were calling that a get-right game. No one, um, because they reverted back to playing the same way that they did before. Uh, truly, I really do believe that the two things happened at the same time, and it's going to co- coalesce with one player kind of uh, finding an identity here, but... Um, when Michael Malone said, finally came around to, A, he has to develop Michael Porter Jr., who, who has not factored in on any sort of win or loss this year, for that matter. Um, but when he factored in the fact that he has to get that development, I think that was key. And I'll tell you why. Because players like certainty. And they like to know that someone is going to get time. Uh, they like to know that when that time is going to be. And I think that was excellent. And part two is the Nuggets. And I think this is probably more player-related than coach-related. The the team decided to play faster. They're still slow, but it didn't take much. And I've never said they need to play like Paul Westhead's Nuggets. All right, um, You don't need to play that fast. I believe their, their offensive rating was some ridiculous like 117 or something like that in the early 90s. Think about that. Um, no, you don't have to pay, play like that. You have to play like you are uh, wanting to get easy buckets. 
And I've noticed the trend when they would step on the gas, particularly in the third quarter against the Magic uh, and in the third quarter against the Lakers. Um, and that was actually something that I know people are, are behooved to credit George Carl, but that one of his philosophies was the, the, the key quarter was the third quarter. Um, that is the quarter where you come out and you set the tone and you get enough cushion to ride out the game. Um, that was his philosophy, and that's what those Nuggets teams under him did, and I know those Sonics teams under George Carl did that. Um, the Nuggets have really made a point of coming out in the third quarter and just put, pressing the gas and getting out there and, and just throttling people, and the Nuggets did that in the third quarter really well against uh, Anthony Davis and the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, and it was led by Gary Harris, who is the biggest beneficiary of the uh, faster pace. Nicole Jokic was always going to come around regardless of the pace, okay? He likes fun offense, and if he's engaged, it's fun. Let's remove Nicole Jokic from this for a second. His success doesn't really factor into, into what this, we're talking about here with Gary Harris. Gary Harris kind of makes his own offense, and one thing the Nuggets were not doing is getting steals. And when I always, you know, on this podcast, when I talk to you about your offense, your defense helping your offense, that was one of those things. Uh, when the Nuggets would go into offensive slumps in November um, and through half of December, they wouldn't get steals. They, they wouldn't help themselves. They wouldn't give themselves easy buckets. Uh, one of the biggest, best things you could do for an offense is just to see the ball go through the hoop. And sometimes all it takes is one. But you need to get out and give yourself some help. And the Nuggets were so rigid, I guess is the best way to put it, and mechanical that they wouldn't let themselves had, uh, get those easy buckets. And the Nuggets getting those easy buckets has helped them out tremendously. And it, no better example of that was when Gary Harris was getting steal after steal, I believe in the late, early fourth quarter, um, steal after steal on the Lakers to extend the lead. And it was like, huh. And I think, I, I think for a lot of people, the light bulb went on over the head. It was like, oh, all right. We, what we have here is the Nuggets helping themselves. Like, help me help you. That, that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> get to a point where you can um, get out on a break and see that ball go through the hoop. And I think for anyone, more than anyone, Gary Harris, who's really struggled this year, needed that to happen. And I think he's starting to get to that point. And he's the one person on the Nuggets, and maybe maybe Malik Beasley can do it. Um, um, Torrey Craig can do steals, but uh, he tends to be more of a one-on-one solid defender. He's not a gambling defender. Um, intrinsic part of any defense... Regardless, and this is including some of the more stodgy, staid defenses of the past, uh, which were considered good primarily because they just didn't give up a lot of points and played at a slow pace. These teams, uh, even they got out on a break. The Nuggets were just never going on breaks. They never got that. I mean, it. There was there's some philosophy with some defensive coaches. Uh, Michael Malone, I, I would conclude this, and Brian Shaw was one of them too. You go out on breaks for missed shots. Well, if you're if you're playing twenty four second defense, right, and you are what I call twenty four second defense, 
and you are just waiting for them to waiting to induce a missed shot. Um, you are coming from a place where you are say behind the already where the defense is, or at least even with. If you get some steals on the perimeter, your chances of having a break are increased. Um, and I'm not talking about leakouts. I mean, uh, all Nuggets fans will remember Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer was the king of leakout um, for those 2011 to 2013 Nuggets. Uh, he was the leakout king, and he he would get those easy bucket opportunities. Well, the Nuggets, this I'm not talking about that because that's kind of you're leaving yourself your defense compromised when you do leakouts. But if you get steals and you do what Dick Gary Harris did, oh, that's a different story. And you notice the entire Nuggets offense, this, other than Jamal Murray, who um, looked like he was a victim of uh, L.A. Light, nightlife, I, as Matt Moore used to say. Um, I don't know if he still does, but <laughs> as Matt Moore used to say, L.A. Nightlife is uh, undefeated. And uh, I think he uh, was the one. I, I don't know that for sure, but it just seemed like it. he was a guy who was playing on the after effects of a late night, which happens. Uh, I don't, um, that, that's, as you guys know, it never bothered me. Um, but outside of that, this Nuggets team came in ready to play, and they play are playing now like I have always envisioned them playing. Um, a team that can play fast and can play good defense. And their defense helps their offense. Um, and I think that is something that the Nuggets have been missing. Even even back to last year when the team was good. The team didn't really break last year. Um, the team had a hard time uh, getting out on these breaks. Um, because they just, it didn't... It was induce a missed shot. Induce a missed shot. Induce a missed shot. Okay, great. Um, but if you never give yourself a chance to get out on a break, you're never going to break. And uh, there was a coach who told me once, he said, like, you've got to practice that. And if you don't practice it in practice, and, and who knows if the Nuggets do, and I don't think they do. Um, if you don't practice a break, the only way you can do it is to get out on it in games and, and learn to do it. And Gary Harris is the key there. And if the Nuggets can add that element their offense is going to get that much better because this Nuggets team plays more frenetically than when their defense is playing that way um, and inducing turnovers and, and stuff like that. Not inducing a turnover and holding the ball, inducing the turnover and getting out and getting those easy buckets. There's nothing, there's no greater slump breaker than a fast break two a dunk, layup, anything, maybe above the break transition because it pumps people up. And the Nuggets were doing that. They weren't giving themselves a chance. And that really began on the, on the homestand, but they kind of slowly worked into it. Um, and I'll coming, coming back to the Michael Porter Jr. thing. Uh, he hasn't been great. Um, he's a rookie. He's going to need time. But the acknowledgement that you need to get him in every single game is absolutely key for this team. Um, and I think now that Malone came around to that and understanding that, I think he's going to be that much better for it. Because if you're going, if you want to play someone and you want to 
have him be the part of your future, you can't have him sit on the bench for two consecutive seasons, essentially. You need him to get out there and be part of the team and know that he's part of the team. He hasn't contributed to any winning. He hasn't contributed really to any losing. He's been basically a non-factor. But he's out there to see flashes, to see what he can do. And for a guy who played two two or three games of basketball in the span of three years, um, excuse me, two years, uh, it is important that he sees court time. Um, he's not a player that's a candidate for G League time, so you need him to be out there getting that getting that mojo done. And I think that uh, that's going to be key. And I think the players actually like it. The players respond to it. You know, people think, oh, he's going to lose the trust of the of the team. No, I think that if you listen to the players, and I've talked to the players, they're all thoroughly behind him. They're all thoroughly behind Michael Michael Porter Jr. And I think that. Him getting consistent minutes, the Nuggets finally deciding to let their defense help their offense has been two things that have just really opened them up. Now, tonight they play the Phoenix Suns. This could be a loss because it's a back-to-back. I could see that happening. Um, Who knows? (laughs) This Nuggets team um, can surprise us sometimes with uh, things that happen, but I think that, uh, you know, it's it's good to kind of play a team – like the Suns, after you go in and with a, really what is, even without LeBron, was a big game for you, kind of have that relaxing game, and they're playing in the warm weather, which I know the Nuggets were all looking forward to, um, and then they come back for the Christmas game. Uh, I will not record a podcast till the 26th or 27th, so we'll let everyone enjoy their Christmas. Um, before I go, I want to say... I appreciate every single one of you who have listened to the Mortcast these last, essentially what amounts to three years now. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, this isn't an ending. This is, a, this is an acknowledgement that CSG is not what it was when everyone started listening to it. Um, we went from a triumvirate of the three of well it was basically Nate and Ross then me coming on regularly and then I was a full member by 2012 and uh, we really did like have a great time with that Nate and Ross have a very busy life um, away from the podcast and I appreciate those of you who have stuck with me all the (laughs) the last three years of me you know, all the uh, crickets and the ambient noise and the helicopters going over and prop planes and the, and the geese that fly over while I talk um, and the, the, the not the great audio. I just appreciate every single one of you. Um, it has been a great eight years of CSG, um, and I don't plan on quitting. Um, this is going to be a fun ride for a long time, and as long as everyone still wants to hear my uh, monotone voice, uh, and I hope you do, I will still record these podcasts. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSC Network. Uh, I will be talking to you soon. Goodbye.